Bereavement Room is a podcast for our community, faith and culture, featuring representative voices from across the UK. And I am your host, Kolsima Ali. Hello, my name's Shireen Kerr and you're listening to the Bereavement Room podcast. Hi, I'm James Boston and you're listening to the Bereavement Room podcast. Hello, I'm Bafo Ababio and you're listening to Bereavement Room podcast. Hi, I'm Jameel Amaraji, and you listen to Bereavement Room Podcast. Hi, I'm Ben Akwa, and you're listening to Bereavement Room Podcast. Hi, I'm John Almir, and you're listening to the Bereavement Room Podcast. Hi, I'm Chelsea Coombson, and you're listening to the Bereavement Room Podcast. Hello, my name is Laura Marvin, and you are listening to the Bereavement Room Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to Bereavement Room Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Seema. Hope you're all having a great week. A massive thank you to everyone that's been writing in and DMing and the support you've given me since I kick-started Bereavement Room's community fundraiser for a season three and to cover those basic costs massively grateful to you can't shout out everyone's names i've just picked out a few random ones out of a hat so i'll begin with my friend mark over in australia mate thank you so much for your large donation i wasn't expecting that at all i really really appreciate it and i hope that you know when this pandemic stuff is over maybe one day if you come back to the uk to visit for holiday definitely drop by i'd love to cook you and your family a meal Um, I'd also like to say thank you to the co-founder of Untangle, I think it's Emma. Uh, Thank you so much for your donation. Also to Beth at Let's Talk About Loss. And also to Sue Guerrieri over at SG Consultancy. She was a former guest in the last series. Thank you so much, Sue, for your very large donation. And also to Jermaine Omareggi from Thinking Out Loud podcast for your donation as well and for supporting me in all your kind words, which brings me to say that today's guest is Jermaine Omareggi. He is the other half of Thinking Out Loud pod. He's a co-host alongside Ben. He's joined me today to talk to me about his mum who passed away in 2015 whilst she was on holiday in Nigeria. He joins me in the room to talk about faith, cultural nuances um, and also tips on supporting bereaved work colleagues and so much more. As always, thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Kosima Ali. Hi everyone, I'm thrilled to say I'm joined by today's guest, co-host of Thinking Out Loud podcast, Jermaine Omareggi. Hi Uh, Jermaine. Spot on, spot on with the surname. Hello, how you doing? (laughs) Brilliant, I love it when I'm spot on. Listen, you know what's crazy, with with African surnames, not everyone gets it right. I'm telling you, like, when they come from us, they're just like, is it Omo? But you said it spot on, Omareggi, like. Not even, not even a stutter, nothing. I'm so, so uh, proud. <laughs> you, you should, you should. Smashed it. You smashed it, you smashed it, man. <laughs> smashed it. How's your, um, how's your year been? How's 2020 been for you? Uh, do you know what? I feel like, t- like, if I can put in, first of all, before I describe, have you, have you seen the Avengers? I haven't yet, no. You haven't? Okay, but you, you, know, you know who Thanos is? Yes. 
basically 2020 is literally like Thanos coming and clicking his fingers. That that. Oh gosh. That's <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> I love that analogy. It's brilliant. <laughs> that's what 2020 is like for me. And but even despite all that, I'm still kind of thankful that I'm here. Of course, because um, mm. as much as you know, a lot of people have compl- or myself have complained about oh you know all these regulations all these restrictions like you know people have like lost their lives and people have lost loved ones and that's very um very unfortunate and very sad so I'm I'm just grateful to God that I'm still here and Mm. I can you know still uh more or less have you know have have a life if if that that don't mean that to sound weird but um you know I'm, I'm just grateful really of course and I think so many people just like yourself this year have been thinking more about gratitude yeah definitely because mm, we can take things for granted in life just yeah. you know it happens when you get busy with life sometimes we just don't think about what really matters um and I'm just curious to know like how did you deal with quarantine have you been working from home what's that been like for you um so I, I've I've yeah, so I've been working from home since March. Um, it, you know, it's weird. I actually liked quarantine in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, like not only I like because I think it was chilled. Everyone was in the same boat. Everyone's like on social media doing all these challenges and all these. There were all these. Everyone was on house party. Everyone. It just felt very chilled because mm. the roads were quiet. So everyone's going for their long walks. Um, whereas like now, I mean, I'm I'm cool, but I think there's a bit of anxiety. I have getting back to normal because I feel like did I did I appreciate that time off and it was mm. like a big time off you know mm. um, what did I kind of learn throughout that time but I feel like um one thing I've kind of learned that like you said before is this whole being being grateful and just having gratitude because there's so much stuff that I can complain about I can moan about but you know like just just have I think one thing that's to see is just being grateful for your life because especially as someone who's lost um loved ones you know like I know how life and how precious can be and how how life can be very very come at you very fast you know one because look at like last year we didn't think this would happen no of course not no one saw it coming I I thought 23 was gonna be my my best year I'm like I'm turning 30 I'm gonna go on this holiday that holiday it's gonna be so lit and come (laughs) come March now you know it's like whoa okay everyone's been yeah. everyone's just been like we've all been slowed down like we've all been just told been grounded everyone's set yeah. home. and everyone's in the same ship like exactly exactly we're all, we're all in the same boat like yeah it's, it's it's just it's just weird and mm. uh, we didn't even see it coming it's just, such i feel like this is an episode of black mirror 2020 Oh my gosh, so many people said that as well. <laughs> it was like an episode of Black Mirror. It, and oh man. It yeah. feels so weird. Like it's weird. And what makes me kind of anxious is that I don't know how long this is going to go on for. Like this is probably our new normal now, but mm. it's like. New life. Um, yeah, exactly. New life. Um, it's like we've got to get used to it, or yeah, we have no choice. And you just brought up travel, you know, the holidays that you wanted to go on. That's going to look very different for everyone that loves to travel and go away on vacation. Yeah, that... but the thing, people are traveling, though. People are still traveling. Yeah, I have um, seen people go away. Like, I saw someone just come back from Italy and it was dead. There was no one there. 
Yeah. <laughs> but you see what you're traveling, the thing with my thing is that I, I get it looks people are traveling and still living trying to live their best life considering everything that's going on. But I'm just so person I don't want to travel knowing that I can't do I can't like enjoy it the way I want to enjoy it. Mm. Like on a, you know, on a normal circumstance, you, you can go to like I don't know, like a Greece and do everything there is to do in Greece. But now it's that like, mm, there's only certain things. So it's like me traveling it's no different for me just staying at, staying in, in the UK because everyone's everyone's kind of has the same restrictions. So like, I'm just paying money to go and be told the same thing that I'm yeah. being told here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it's like mm, so travel. I mean, I do want to travel. Don't get me wrong, but there's no appeal to it um, appeal to it for me right now because you know we can't really do much exactly and i mean you know? you, you know when we travel we travel because there are no rules there are no boundaries exactly exactly <laughs> do you know what i mean do you, do you know yeah. how good it is just like just traveling um, on that plane yeah and coming out wherever it is you, you, you travel to and just knowing that yes this is me for seven days 14 days mm. carefree I'm, I'm not worrying about work i'm not worrying about this person that person that that's luxury man that's luxury we don't have right now and it, it's, it's it's sad you don't have it but of course you know people are still traveling but me personally I, I want that luxury I want it all or don't give it to me at all yeah no totally I'm with you I'm with you on that because you just want to live it the way that you see it yeah, exactly. w- without these people telling you how to do that because that's why we go on holiday right to relax to recharge our batteries yeah uh, otherwise we'd rather just stay at home but um Exactly. You know, let's let's see what happens. Hopefully, you know, things will pick up and I know it's a new normal, but hopefully it just won't be too difficult. So let's see. I, I, I'm hoping so, but I'm not holding my breath at the same time. <laughs> Love it, really. <laughs> 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 Is that real? All right. So this kind of brings me now to talk about your amazing podcast, Thinking Out Loud. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well done to you and Ben for creating it and thank you for creating it. I think it's very, very necessary, um, particularly because we don't get the male voice in this Mm. space so so much and also the black male voice, which I think is very important. Um, So why did you guys create Thinking Out Loud podcast? Like, you know, how did it all come together? What did that look like for you guys? If I'm honest, yeah, it's actually cool. not strange, but how it happened. So, um, just to bit, give you a bit of backstory. So, obviously, I met Ben. Um, I actually knew Ben's sister. So, I met Ben through his sister. Mm. And then, obviously, we were kind of just talking um, and stuff like that. And he's quite creative in a sense, like me as well, where like, we just like to like express, like write things. And I remember saying to him, um, no, I said I wanted to start a podcast. And, and he wanted to start a podcast as well. I just said, why don't we just do it together? Um, but when we did, when we kind of joined forces, should I say, we didn't kind of think it would be a thing of where, okay, two black males talking about grief. We just thought it's just, okay, right, a podcast where we just just hash everything out, just talk about our, our feelings and, mm. and, and everything. But I think in doing so and doing that, I've kind of realised, actually, you know what, this is actually... In in a in a sort of um, it's not weird, but in a way that we didn't kind of realize, it, we're actually kind of uh, providing a sort of a, a unique perspective in the sense that uh, we're two young guys who have lost both of our parents, but we're two young black guys as well. You mm. know, I'm not saying we're the only person to ever talk about these things, but I think you know, there's always this notion about guys 
and guys guys don't sort of talk about things um which I, I agree but there's also a, another notion of where like as a as a black man and the whole idea that you know black men are strong we don't sort of like stiff up a lip we don't like talk about certain things so it's kind of more kind of normal kind of like um um uh, debunk that myth and kind of normalize talking about these things if that makes sense so so i think the podcast is our way of trying to do that and the reason why why i feel like it's so great is because me and ben really we just sort of bounce off each other so there's nothing there's if i say something he kind of gets it and, and vice versa so we kind of we're kind of like kindred spirits <laughs> i love it <laughs> you, you know so like and i and i and i feel like every time i'm on the podcast it's like therapy I don't know if I can say that about my own podcast, but it's almost like a bit of therapy because, like, not only um, is it me talk- talking about expressing my thing, but I'm talking with someone who actually gets it, and it's not. And I trust that person. To, I trust that person with what I'm saying, and you know, mm. they don't. It's not, it's not coming from a place of judgment with whatever I say. So I think there's kind of beauty in that. In um, in this, I think that's why, like, with the podcast, I really wanna. Um, well, we want us to sort of push it and really kind of just get ourselves out of that comfort zone and just you know what and talk about these things and, and, and just have have a lot of conversation with different people like there's so many um ideas that we have for it so many people we want to just discuss and just be open about because with Greenpeace it's not a nice topic you know it's not a popular topic but I feel like it's an important topic and that's good enough so even if that means you know um because I, I see a lot, a lot, a lot of like podcasts. There's so many different podcasts talking about different things, um, and I, I, I don't want to say grief is like the uh, unpopular kid at school, you know, compared that, like, you know. But I feel like it's 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 important. It's an important topic that we're all gonna go through it at some point. You know, yeah, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So I feel like why not normalize it now so that when if people do go through it it's, I mean, it will still be hard but it's it's not unorthodox to talk about it's not uncomfortable because we're bringing it to the forefront we're talking about it and making it okay especially as men as well that's another thing because a lot of women are in that space in in this space and, and yeah um, there's that's not correct. i mean there, there might be a, a small number of men don't get me wrong but compared to the, the amount of women it's not a lot so i feel like I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm, I'm this powerful human being, but I want, I want to sort of, if I can change that a bit, then I'm, I'll, I'll be grateful. And if I can help other men in the process of normalising, um, you know, mental health, talking about their things, then I'm, I'm happy about that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's so necessary. And I think when I, I can't remember how we connected, but I think as soon as I stumbled across your podcast, I was like, yes, finally, you know, we need to diversify yeah. the space. I was like, mm. finally, there's two men in this space. And obviously there's extra layers, as you said, you know, being a man, being black, and there's just so much more to it mm. that it just that you need we need to start taking up those spaces those spaces need to be taken up um because as quite rightly you say there's a lot of women in this space yeah. um but equally it's also quite a white space i would mm, say yeah. as well yeah. and that's why i started bereavement room because i was like hang on a second this is only telling me one part of the story and the narrative needs to be changed a little bit because people mourn in so many different ways people are from different cultures and heritage and faith and it's so multifaceted like it's like an onion you know you're peeling the layers forever 
yeah so yeah exactly yeah yeah and it's it's important and I'm really you know I've been really enjoying listening to your podcast so that oh, I appreciate that I know oh, you're welcome and it kind of brings me to ask you then like you know do you think black men and ethnic minority men struggle to talk about their emotions and why where do you think that comes from um I, I think it's I think yeah they do but I think it comes from uh, this whole idea of condition of you know, being like being strong. The man in in the African household is is one that, you know, and I don't want to sort of go on stereotypes or just miss, but the, he's he's the one that just you know looks after the household, gets on with things, not really the, the emotional type to be like, to be uh, talking about feelings or talking about oh today I'm stressed because of this and that. You just sort of like you're the man, so you have to kind of like basically hold it together. You're you're like the glue that holds everything together. So in the household, it's not. It's not you talking about oh I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling depressed today. What is depression? What is that in an African household? Like we, we don't mm-hmm. go through those sort of things. Mental health we don't go through those sort of things, you know. Um, but of course now you know like in in sort of my um, the way I've been brought up is I've I've always been kind of fortunate to not to not kind of um, see that as as the blueprint of of being a man, especially being a black man. Mm. Um, you know, my family are very much modern in the sense where, like, they've, they've encouraged, that, like, you know, talking to them. They've encouraged, like, you know, um, if you're feeling a type of way, say something. Mm. You know, don't, because it's even worse, especially that like, now we have a lot of, um, I would say, like, yesterday was was um, suicide, World Suicide Prevention Day. Yeah. And it's that notion of rather than just suffering in silence, say something, because sometimes you can get to a point where your, your thoughts and your your, your depression is just con- is so consuming, you see no way out. Mm. And because you you already have that notion of, as a man, we we just kind of get on with it. So, mm. you know, and who knows, that's that's a recipe for disaster sometimes. And, you know, I, I don't want to fall into that sort of, um, into that sort of, uh, like, bucket of not expressing myself, not talking. So I think when we say, like, men don't talk, black men don't talk, it comes from that kind of old age um, conditioning. But but we, I think nowadays it's a bit different. I think it's more men are talking. It's been a bit more open now. You know, um, it's no longer a case of oh, why are you talking about your feelings? Like men go through mental health things as well. Like mm. black men go through it. You know, and I'm not sure if this is a thing here, but I don't know if if for white men it's easy, easier for them to open up. Um, I, I don't have stats on that, but that, that I could be wrong. Just, just it's just an, an opinion. Um, but no, you're yeah, right. Got... Statistically, they do. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, so and I, and I think for black men, it's a lot different because there's that layer of well, why are you like? It's almost to the point of like ego because if you kind of open up about certain things, and then you're then mocked for that what you've been open up about, it's almost as if like you know you're you don't feel safe. So I think with as a guy, especially what I said earlier. It's having it's not only open up, but it's having that that safe space, whether that's someone you trust or whether that's counseling, whether that's a, a community of people you can talk to, that's important. So it's not just anyone you can open up to, it's who you open up to that that's important. Mm. And and I feel like I wanna sort of like get that out there is that uh, yeah, you can it's good to open up, but it's who you open up to as well, because the last thing any of us need um is to open up to, to someone who we fully trust, but they you know they kind of like break our trust or they don't they don't they don't respect our, our emotions and because that's very 
that's very sad I, I feel so I think that's that's quite a, a key thing in it as well mm. but but like I said it's going to take a long time to kind of dispel these like this whole line of conditioning and this whole stiff upper lip you know yeah so so you talked about world um suicide prevention day which was yesterday yeah. and I just wonder for you know sometimes for people it's really hard to find the language to articulate how they're feeling yeah. So, so let's just say they don't, you know, they don't have the means to do counselling. Let's say that they don't have a good support network, that they don't trust people. What's your stance on that? Yeah, see, that, that's, that's, how, that's why I feel like this whole issue is complex, because there's some people who don't have that, um, I would say, luxury or privilege of having someone they can talk to. Mm. But I feel like with that, um, I think professional help. Because yeah, like go to the doctor. Prefer, yeah, professional, because at, at that point, it needs to be someone objective. Because if, as a person, I, I don't feel comfortable opening up or like, or even how to articulate myself about what I'm going through, then I feel like what will help me is someone that's objective to that and maybe someone that can help you kind of open up in your own way. So for some people, it's not always about just talking. For some people, it might be might be doing something constantly that, that helps them to to help their, improve their mental health so I think it's definitely um I won't say there's like a right answer but I, I feel like that would be the first um step into trying to kind of like um help that person in that particular scenario because you know someone who who can who knows how to deal with these things because someone like like me for example I don't know I won't know how to help someone who doesn't is not good at communicating or I, I won't I won't dismiss them don't get me wrong but I feel like professional help is what is will be a good starting point. Mm. It's good that um, you mentioned that because we need to know what our strengths and weaknesses are. So as you say, you're probably better at helping someone that can communicate um, their feelings. Mm. Otherwise, yeah, it's referred to a, a professional like a doctor, for example. Yeah. Um, I think it's tough. I, I, my perspective, I, I also think that the systems and the structure that we live and breathe, they're not set up to be mental health friendly. They're not set mm. up to be bereavement friendly. And I think there's so much more that the system can do to change the way that they operate. So, for example, the workplace, there's, there's so much the workplace can do to adopt, you know, better mental health, better talking uh, mm. within the workplace like for example in the states I think you know they have they have business psychologists they have psychotherapists they have counsellors on site in the yeah. workplace their human resources aren't just human resources they're more than that you know they've got like welfare people health and well-being officers and I just feel like in the UK we could benefit from more of that in the workplace yeah because I actually just had an idea and I, I don't know if I'm um segueing a bit but if I am apologies but I think what it is as well especially when it comes to bereavement and and this is no this is no like sort of shade at like you know at UK companies or 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 the workforce in the UK as a whole but I feel like because they don't understand it in its entirety they don't know how what to deal with it so it's like sometimes you might you might have some companies they give you like bereavement leave for two weeks or one week but that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg. It's it's more than do you know what I mean? You, you can't you can't unpack everything in two weeks or yeah or have two weeks that will be exactly. enough for you to kind of get over your grief. So exactly what you said about the states, maybe in some in some cases, I mean some companies might have it here, maybe. So I don't want to say it's for, for all companies, oh, but no. maybe some companies 
can adopt that system of right maybe let's get a therapist here let's get a, a counselor let's get maybe someone who maybe a, a psychologist who can kind of like unpack or help mm-hmm. certain people who've gone through loss on, on like mm-hmm. a gradual basis because it, it doesn't just stop when you you put that person in the ground and that's it you, you're fine you know you may have buried them but you have you haven't buried your mental health you haven't you know, <laughs> you, yeah. you know so exactly so there, there's still a lot of work to be done and that's what I kind of found because um when I buried um, my mum I kind of had this idea that all right she's buried now that's my closure I'm cool now mm. but it's far but far from like it's five almost five years and, and I'm still kind of dealing with it you know so it, it's again it's, it's that kind of thing of like you need constant help you of course. know um and that was your mum like you know that's the role model in your life that's your mother she gave birth to you yeah. this you know this isn't something that you can just forget about after the burial exactly it's a it's an ongoing process for the rest of your life especially at such a young age mm. and that kind of brings me then to to ask you about your mum. I, I know that she died in 2015. This yeah. was this was in Nigeria. Yeah. Um, before we kind of get into the details, like, what was your mum like? What was the relationship like that you had with her? Honestly, like, she was like she's probably the most vibrant person you can meet. Um, you know, she she wasn't. I don't think it's describe it, but she was just such like the life of the party. Like, you know, very vibrant. And she didn't, she didn't really complain. That's one thing my mum, she never really complained much about things. She just sort of gets on with things and makes the best out of every situation she's in. You know, and that's one thing I, I kind of admire because I, I find it hard to do that. I, I complain about a lot. But whereas with her, it's like she just, you would think, hold on, why are you not complaining about this and that when, when you can? But she's not, I choose not to, you know. Um, and I think everyone, those around her, um, she was very loved by those around her, friends, obviously family, of course, you know, um, and she's always in good spirits. And I, f- I feel like we had a good relationship. Um, I think I was a bit of a mummy's boy, I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> you know, but... Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, exactly, nothing wrong with that. It's not that I was very independent, but not to the point where, like, she does everything for me, like, does the ironing or cooking, cleaning. You know, I was very much in the, still independent. But I think it's just a mummy's boy in the sense that, honestly, I, I'll do anything for this woman, man. I, I, like, I want her to live a good life. I want to look after her when she's older. You know, stuff like that, as, as any sort of reasonable son would, would do you know what I mean so like yeah she's just she was just very like um very brave and very like very caring as well that's one thing she's very caring she would she literally go out go out of her way to help you even sometimes it comes comes up uh, comes out uh, to her detriment which is a bit of a flaw but you know that's it's not that that bad but um you know she she was she was a, a loving woman and I feel like of course, that's why her, her death, well, not of course, but I think that's more so why her kind of her death hit me more because I never thought she would be someone that I would lose so early on mm. because she just seemed very, like, um, always, like, in, in good spirits. So I just thought, nah, my mum is going to be around for a long time. This is not... So it, it, uh, maybe it's a bit of my naivety just because, you know, I know we don't all live forever. We don't know when it's our time, you know, but I just had that idea that no my my mother's gonna live forever like you know well we when, do. when i say we like, do. when i say forever i mean mm. like when i'm 70 or 80 or something like that's yeah that's my forever <laughs> you know so i'm sure you probably had that yeah as well, as well 
I thought my dad was going to live forever. I thought my brother mm. would live forever. And, you know, my mum died really young. So yeah. it's just a real slap in the face when you see these stories on TV and you think it's not going to happen to you because yeah. you see it on TV or you read about it in books and you just don't think that will happen to you. But then, you know, life will happen to you. It will happen. Yeah, like, like, just think that that can never be me. It's, you know, that's, that's no, that that can't be me. But then again, like life is unpredictable, and I mean and we we know that from from COVID this year. So yes, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's unpredictable. The teacher like, of all. <laughs> honestly, so if one thing that that's what 2020 has taught me, life's unpredictable. You just don't know what's around the corner or mm. what's a month away. You know. Mm. So that, that's how I see it. Yeah, and I mean, your mum was in Nigeria on holiday, right? Yeah, so she was on holiday. I mean, she always, like, with every sort of, um, she always goes every year on holiday. So this year was nothing different. So we just thought, yep, she's going to Nigeria again, you know, cool. That's fine. And she's been so many times. She's been so many times, comes back, nothing, everything. Sometimes we even go twice in a year or even three times in a year sometimes. So I I thought this time around was going to be, you know, going to be the same. I didn't think that would be the last time. I'll be seeing her, you know, or or even that she'll even get sick, like you know she'll. So it was a bit, a bit of a shock, um, you know, when I found out she passed away because I was just like, what? Like I spoke to her two weeks ago, and now I'm getting news that she's that she's not even she's dead. I'm like, is that? I legit thought that maybe they made a mistake somewhere. There must be a mistake, because that that's insane. Like literally, I spoke to her, like she was she seemed fine. But again, it's back to the point of you just don't know what's around the corner. Mm, absolutely. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed to anybody. No, at all. Uh, no, and I think hindsight, that's where I, where I struggle. Like, you kind of realise, I realise that after. And hindsight is a bit of a bitch like that. The, the, the biggest. Yeah, because you could just forget, you know, you get busy with work and daily life and these external factors and... You know, not to be morbid, but I feel like just out to the listeners, you know, tomorrow isn't guaranteed to anyone. So, like, you know, hold your loved ones close to you. And I'm not saying be there 24-7 or whatever. Like, yeah. we have lives to live. But in whatever capacity or whatever way you can remember that, please do. Exactly. But that's that's the shit you're right. And I, and I feel like um, another thing as well is, Yes, hold that like, church your loved ones, but also that just shoot your shot in terms of what you want to do. Like to to make it more simple for the listeners, like I was, I didn't think I was kind of scared about starting a podcast, you know, because I just thought, well, everyone's doing a podcast, and I'm doing a podcast about grief. Well, it's it's, it's about grief and other things as well. But I just felt like, well, who's gonna who's gonna listen to my podcast? They might they might listen to it and might think, okay. Uh, he's talking about about death. That's not really popular. But you listen. I'm glad I started it because at the end of the day, I could be like um, deliberating for so long and and something happens. Obviously, God forbid. But I'm glad it's I'm glad it's out there. And I want to for as long as I'm I'm breathing, I'm here. Like I want to I want to keep out. I want to keep pushing and keep you know like trying to educate others and help myself in the process as well. Mm. You know. So. I- Absolutely. And you you don't know who you're helping. You're helping so many people that will be listening, but you might not necessarily know because not everyone writes in to say, but 
that's a legacy, really, that someone's exactly. going to listen. They're going to listen to one of your episodes and be like, you know, that really helped me in that moment. That's what I needed to hear today. Mm, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I never really thought of it like that, but I think, like, you know, as we're on this whole thing of legacy, that's quite important as well because even, um, you know, with the of our parents, like, they've left some sort of legacy. And it kind of just sort of puts things into perspective in the sense that, you know, you've kind of realized what you want to be, what you want your purpose to be on this earth, you know, how you want, how you want to be defined by those around you. And I feel like if one thing I've kind of learned through my, my mom's passing is like the legacy she left, you know, was um, amazing. And, and, and that's what it's about at the end of the day when, when we're no longer here is how you can be remembered, you know, and, and, and that's what's important. I, never, I don't really think about that a lot, but I think more so, um, I kind of think about it now and I'm just trying to be the best version of myself but whilst I'm still here and, and, and whilst I, I still can absolutely and that's a great way to honor your mum which kind of brings me on to now ask you like I know sometimes it might be hard to go back there but mm. the day you received that news that your mum had died you know what did that look like for you I, I know that you flew to Nigeria right yeah so we, we went to um Nigeria, I think it was, so we found out the news on the 30th of October and we flew to Nigeria uh, on the 23rd. But that day when we found out, I still, I still remember it so clearly, like I was, I was preparing to go to work, but for some reason I just said, I'm not going to go on this day because, because my, because the, the night before we had been told that my mom was quite ill, she was taken to the hospital. So we thought, okay, cool, I'm going to just chill at home today, just kind of like see if there's any update on her. And stuff like that, but I didn't. I didn't even think it would. Be, it would be death. I just thought, okay, mum's mum's not well, so she, she's probably gonna pull through. But I'll, I'll just stay at home today. Um, so I remember just being at home. I remember just like literally, I was so chilled, like have, making my breakfast as normal, thinking, yeah, mum's in hospital. I'm gonna get an update. So we got a call from my my mum's young sister in, in Nigeria, and I thought it was a call just to say, yeah, she's um she's pulled through. Um, she's awake now, all that kind of stuff. I thought it was going to accord to tell us that, yeah, she's fine. Um, but then I remember my aunt, who was with us at the time, who's also my mum's sister as well, um, you know, she was on the phone and she just started saying, she was just looking a bit weird and she was, like, oh, she was telling me, oh, can you sit down, please? I was like, what's wrong? Why, why should I sit? What's, what's the matter? And then I think, I think it was that moment I knew she said oh she whispered oh she's gone she's gone and I, I i i started losing my mind like literally like my heart felt like it dropped to my feet i just started crying screaming like just it was just a crazy i think that day was just it was just a crazy day and i just couldn't believe it. i was like this must be a this must be a mistake it has to be a mistake even to the point yeah um so that first night was understandably was the hardest night, but the morning I was probably thinking that maybe they're gonna call the next morning and say yeah they made a mistake she she's actually fine but you know even though that would have been still messed up but but I, I thought okay it's a mistake it must be a mistake, and that day I always call that day Black Friday because it was a Friday and I just remember it just being so it was just the worst I, I like I it's so crazy because I feel like that day was probably harder than the actual funeral which sounds which sounds messed up. But that no, day was, I get you. was was it was so difficult, and mm. to this day, it still it still kind of gives me a bit of 
anxiety and even just like nightmares because honestly find that new find that such heartbreaking news it's not it's not easy that like, you know and but one thing I can say in hindsight is that I'm glad that I was home okay because I don't I don't know how I would have reacted if I had been I'd went to work that day or you know if you know I had just been on a street somewhere I, I just don't know how I would have been so I'm glad I was even though it was still heartbreaking but I'm glad I was in in, in a safe space mm. like literally a safe space where I can just break down and people don't look at me funny like oh what's wrong with this guy that like, you know breaking down in the middle of the um of the Victoria line <laughs> You know, so it's like I'm. I'm just kind of glad that I was at home because honestly, yes, you, you need to be. You need to be somewhere where you. Um, I'm not sure if it's if it's a thing, but apparently, when they always say when when you're given bad news, it's like always make sure the person is sitting down or or it's or they're somewhere comfortable. I'm not sure if it's for a tree. No, I have yeah, and yeah, it's, so, it's guidance I give to other people. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 always and also they always say don't tell because I remember when. Um, one of my friends passed away. They didn't tell his aunt because um, she had been flying, flying um, to the UK. So they didn't want to tell her right while she was in transit because you just don't know how that person's gonna be. So it's better to tell that person when they're like basically in a in a safe environment. Like I said, so you know that's what I I now realize why people say that now. Mm-hmm. And you know, hospitals do something similar. If someone has died in hospital. Um, they won't tell you over the phone. They'll just be like, "There's been complications. You just need to get here." But they won't yeah, tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've I've seen that a lot in Grey's Anatomy. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, can, you, "Can you just come in?" And you're thinking like, "Why? Why?" Just tell me over the over the. But I I get it because you just don't know. Mm. You you deliver that news and how they're gonna be because the, that person might be driving. That person yeah. might be, I don't know, just. Walking, you just don't know, and and it's very, 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 very important to like, you know what, just get them in a safe space, and and drop that news because honestly, it's like like we we both know it's the, it's the worst, it's the worst news hearing that. It's it the is. worst. Your your own your own parents as well. No, it's, mm. it's the worst. And it stays with you, and as you say, you don't forget that, and that almost feels worse than the actual day of the funeral which kind of before we get to the funeral I just wanted to ask you say you were at home was anyone at home with you yeah so it was all at home so it was uh myself my sisters and my aunt so it was mm. all it was all in the house and okay. we just all was more or less all just crying together like just mm. you know um as sad as it is like but we I'm glad we all had each other there um you know, mm. Because again, like I said, I don't, I don't know if my sister had been somewhere, you know, I don't know. I, I, that would make me even more anxious. I don't know what she would do in that very moment because it's very, very, because we can be erratic. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't know what that, that news can do to you. So I'm glad mm. we all had each other. We were there yeah. together. You know. Yeah, very important. And that kind of, you know, I'm just curious to know what was the flight like. Um. So you mean I'm going there? Yeah, when you're flying to Nigeria, do you remember the flight? Um, yeah. Do you, know, you know what the flight back? Sorry, the flight there wasn't wasn't didn't feel. Um, I was okay going there. It was more it was more the flight back where I felt uh, uh, this kind of sense of emptiness and just sadness because it's like I'm because we buried it over there. So I think the reason why I was uh, very very sad compared to the, um, the flight um, going going there was because 
I just felt like we're, we're, I'm leaving her behind. Ah, uh, yeah, hey. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going back to life. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to this new normal without her. Yeah, hey. Yeah, so, so that just felt, that just felt devastating. Yeah, very yeah. devastating. Because, um, I mean, how often do you fly to Nigeria anyway now? Do you go home? That's the thing. I've, I haven't been back in, since the last time I went was my mum's funeral. Ah, okay, wow. I, I've, I haven't been back, been back since. I mean, I... I I do want to go. I do want to go um, at some point, um, but I think the reason why I've been a bit anxious because, like, I don't know what I'll be like you know, going back there, seeing her, mm. seeing her like her grave, and you know, like it's gonna. But I, I know I have to go back at some. I want to go back at some point, you know. Mm. Um, but I, I know it's, it's that's the only thing that I'll kind of have to kind of sort of deal with mentally, just going back there and seeing her again for the first time in. Since you buried her. Yeah, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't know how, what that feeling is going to be like, how I'm going to deal with that. But nevertheless, I feel like I have to deal with it at some point. Mm. Well, when the time's right, you know, when yeah, you're exactly. ready. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. no sort of like pressure or rush to, mm. to, to do that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think timing is everything. So, yeah, I hope whenever that day comes for you, that I hope it's peaceful and, you know, it... It brings you comfort if it does. If it doesn't, you know, that's also okay. Um, yeah. well, and what was the funeral like for you? I mean, what was it a traditional Nigerian funeral? Yeah, so so with, with, with us, we had that uh, traditional funeral where, you know, so but we, we do it like in three days. Okay. So, so, so the first day is more, is more of, the memorial service where we have like a church service just um you know remembering her life and then there's the actual funeral so the day where we we, we go to the mortuary um we get the you know she's put in the in the coffin and the um i'm not sure what you call that long the long car is there is there a particular name for it no, oh, another long i think it's the long car yeah the limousine yeah the, the long limousine <laughs> So we kind of like was um, rolling through that and um, driving that to where we're gonna where we're gonna bury her. Um, but with us and with most um, Nigerian funerals, and sometimes gone in, I'm not sure if been explained. Um, we have this one where we don't necessarily wear necessarily wear black. Some of us wear black, some of us don't. But for my mum, we decided to um, wear blue. Okay. Um, so it wasn't like blue, just like a random blue, like blue jeans and blue, like a blue top. It was like a so we got like a material where we made made an outfit out. Of, if that makes sense. Mm. So we got this material. Um, we had a specific, um, different like everyone made different. Um, like some one person made a dress, one person made like a, a, a four piece outfit. So yeah, I had an outfit um, that we had made, and we just the reason why we we done that because my mom was wasn't a very she was a very vibrant person. She wasn't really like a doll. She didn't like doll colors. She didn't like. So I won't say that's me. I was only use doll. She didn't like um, dark colors. She was more so like um, a colorful person. So we decided to wear blue to kind of sure. honor that. Um, so so we had the funeral, um, and then the day after was a what we call like a day of celebration. So okay. That's a time, yeah, a time where we just kind of come together more or less to celebrate, kind of have a little party. Um, like drinks and stuff like that, just remembering her. So that was more. That's that's more so like the, the light-hearted time where we kind of just you know what we've we've gone through um, the main bit, which is the funeral, putting her in the laying her to rest, and now we're celebrating her life. So it's, 
it's more so seen as a day of where we just like we kind of wipe the tears and we just celebrate. Of course, like it's you know it's it's, it's easier said than done. This whole wiping the tears, but it was more it's more meant to be more more of a lighthearted day and yeah. more of a day of celebration. Um, so that was the course of of uh, of the funeral, just having it in three days. Um, Sounds and, very beautiful, I have to say. Uh, oh, it was it was lovely. It was it was very lovely. Um, I think I think we gave her a very good send off. Um, you know, but but like I said before, coming back, that was, yeah, that was um very, very hard. I I just I just I just felt so depressed like coming back, as like really just down. Um, you know, because again, like I said, it's coming back to, to, the house, coming back to her, knowing that she's not gonna be there, knowing that I, I'm gonna go to her and she's she's not gonna be there. So it was very um, very difficult. But again, but in in the grand scheme of things, I'm glad that she had a. Give her a good send off. Mm, of course, you know. uh, yeah, and it's that opportunity to say goodbye in, you know, in the way that you your family can do that together. Say goodbye and remember your mum, um, yeah. and honour her, and and that's important. Being able to be able to have that moment to say goodbye. Yeah, exactly. Definitely, it's yeah. very important. Yeah, yeah. Um, because had I not had the opportunity to kind of say goodbye in the way I wanted to. You know, I don't know if that would affect my grief journey today. And when when I say exactly. that, I just mean in terms in terms of you know, um, and again, this is this is debatable um, for some listen for people listening. Like you don't you don't have to go see the body, but I think for me, I I need to do that. Yeah, you know, of course. Just as as a, as a not for clo- a bit for closure, but just for I just don't want to I just don't want to be like oh, what if mm. what if I didn't see a body? I didn't want to have that on on my head. Mm. you know so and that's part of your way that you probably process and reconcile events in your mind rather than a closure I hear what you mean there's a difference there there's a difference between closure because you don't really ever get closure it's more reconciling the events in your head yeah exactly it's just kind of like for me I see more of just trying to control what I can Mm. because I, I know I know I can't like I can control there's only so much I can control in, in that moment of of going through the funeral and, and, and the only thing I could control was okay, I could see her, I could mm-hmm. um I could choose what, you know, um how the funeral was gonna I mean not so much like I had the direction, but I think luckily for me I had family who kinda had our best interest and ensured that she had a good funeral. So there was no like, you know, oh we're gonna do this, this we're gonna do that. Um so I I could just control what I could and that for me was ensuring that I see her one last time, even though that was it was probably so difficult and scary at the same time. Um, but I'm glad I did that, you know, as as much as it, um, even though it did give me a bit of nightmares. Um, yeah. I don't mean to sound, you know, but, you know, it was very, um, because again, I, like, it's, I don't know, seeing seeing someone in, in a lifeless state is not for the faint-hearted. Yeah, of course. I don't. I don't want mean that. I don't mean to sound dramatic, but you know, it's just yeah. That's not something I'm used to. We're not used to seeing that. Of course not. Do you know what I mean? But it's something that I knew. You know what? I've got to do this for myself, um, and I'm glad I did it. So I, even though, like, yeah, I'm still grieving, and I'm and this whole idea of closure is still it's a bit non-existent. But I'm glad I had. I can. I can control the aspect of things. So, like, uh- would you say the same for you as well? um that's a really good question and it's something that we've talked about so much in series one 
it really depends what community and culture you're from because like in you know I identify as Muslim right and there are a lot of cultural things that get in the way with faith that get mixed up there's cultural nuances that need to die a death that's my opinion these cultural Mm. nuances I'm not happy with it's very patriarchal you know with men dominating everything when it comes to the the burial and I don't like that and and for me that I would have liked to have been at the burial for example for my Mm. you know when my dad died and I didn't get that opportunity because when you're growing up in the UK it's fed to you you see it on TV you read it in books how people say goodbye and like that was just so alien to me so I you know for anyone that's listening I would just say like if you can like change the narrative because those old age traditions they're dead like we live in 2020 now with mental health being on the rise like people need an opportunity to be able to say goodbye. Like forget about all these patriarchal yeah, nonsense. L- l- yeah, like you, do you know what it is? And 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 the reason why I agree with you because I'm not one to kind of like because um, I'm very old fashioned in the sense that you know, I, I, of course, I, I can get behind certain traditions. I can get behind you know certain things. And I'll never dismiss um, tradition, but I think sometimes some things can be quite. And I said it before, quite outdated. But I know with certain. Like for example, like I've got a friend um, who's Muslim as well, and his mum passed away, but he didn't even see her because they, she had to be buried within twenty four hours. So, so it's like, and he wasn't even so she passed away. Um, she she didn't pass away here. She passed away in another country, and because like everything has to be like, um, I, I don't know if you even can probably explain, but in Muslim culture, like usually they're buried within twenty four hours. Yeah. Day. Yeah, well, as soon as possible, 24, 48. Yeah, exactly. So there was no time for him to, like, you know, right, um, let me see where I can, if I can book a flight, come. And and I, don't, I haven't really spoken to him about it, but I always kind of wondered, like, how must that have been on your mental health? Because I know I would have been, I don't know how I would deal with that. Mm. But again, it's, it's not me saying defy tradition and culture, but at the same time, your mental health has to come. Where do you put your mental health? Mm. and mental health is a big part to play with that aspect of things especially with this new generation you know in this day and age and you know Mm. I'm all right with the 24 and 48 I think what it is is when women often don't go to the burial and it's just a given and no one questions it but that's not to say that that's every Muslim household because every family has their individual belief systems and I've had guests on the show that are Muslim that have gone to the burial have had their moment have had their moment to say goodbye and you know but it's it's not every mm-hmm. household and I think we have to be really careful to not I don't know make those assumptions but, yeah definitely, definitely, yeah, definitely. yeah yeah but I'll, it, I'll, I'll, it exists but it still exists and it's a big problem and I don't like it but but just and again if you don't mind me asking why why is it that you couldn't I, I, I don't quite get it. why is it that you, you couldn't attend the as in yeah i don't know i just don't get why because i know you said with some people some muslims they have where the females have attended but in your case you didn't so is that was it something specific or personal to you or was it a thing of um like to yeah tr- tradition um so with my dad um logistically 
we decided to have his funeral at the local mosque and the local mosque is very old there's no women's section there oh right okay. yeah and the reason we had it at that old mosque is because that was that's historically like the mosque that my dad would always go to he lived in the area for so long so it was like a family decision that it made sense that you know he would have his janaza um yeah. there and obviously they just didn't build a woman's part it's going under refurbishment it's so old um but but my auntie did turn up because she didn't know and she had her moment you know with my dad even though it was like a an old mosque um and and that's not the issue per se because most people get to go to the janaza go to the mosque women are there and everyone integrates and it's fine but it's just that burial part when you get to the burial it's just led by men the whole mm. thing is, you know, and it's just men doing everything, throwing the soil onto the coffin. And, um, like, women are very rarely present. And I just made the, you know, if there's no other women going to be there, like, my sisters weren't going to be there, why am I going to be the only one there? It just felt like I just made the decision to not be the only one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's quite sad. I, I mean... Because what I want to touch on with that just briefly, um, because it's not so much the same in African cultures, but I think there's some similarities in the sense where like it's kind of very male dominant, as in the male males are the ones kind of like you know directing what goes on. And not not in every in every African household, it's in some cases, um, but I think it's in for me it was almost the idea of trying to like, especially with my little sister, trying to protect her from certain things. And I and I remember when we went to so when my dad died because we my dad died, died in Nigeria as well so we 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 flew out there to bury him as well, uh, to basically bury him and I remember going to the mortuary and I was sort of almost like kind of um, push not pushing her but kind of um, putting my sister back I didn't want her to sort of see see my dad but then I thought hang on a minute that's not my decision to make I I can't rob her of that even though it will be hard even though I'm trying to protect her even though I mean well in trying to like um, but I I can't I can't stop that because I don't know if say like I didn't do that I didn't I sort of, I didn't let her see him now and she has there's some sort of mental unrest she has in her mind because of that that that's my fault do, do some you, mm. you know so mm. even though I know it's hard even though like I do I have good intentions in trying to protect her but in that moment I have to let I have to let her go through that you know and it doesn't make me any less of a of a of a brother to her because I feel like you know, she has to kind of do it for her own, not her own, but her own thing where, like, you know, at least she's done that. I don't, I don't want to be someone who's robbed her of that opportunity, you know. So I, I guess it's just kind of like, and again, I'm not saying it's, just, it's the same with um, uh, Muslim culture, but just trying to protect the women and... There is a layer like, of that. You know. There's like, so many layers to it, as you say, about protection. But, yeah, as you say, it's like, are you robbing you know, robbing someone of that moment, and I don't know. Yeah, I I didn't want to do that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, listen, like, there's probably a lot of we can't be here all day. A lot of like cultural things that we we can question and kind of change. You know, like some things that can like are quite outdated. Um, you know, because like I said before, when it comes to these things, you know, like the grieving process is going to be hard. But and you want to make it easier for yourself as much as possible. But if you know, you didn't get to sort of get that closure in your own way of, of seeing them one last time, or even not being able to even be able to be at the funeral. You don't know how what's that going to do to someone. That that's very very 
a hard thing to deal with. So I wouldn't want to be the someone that takes that from any any person, you know? No, and I hear you. And I think you're absolutely right. I feel like now as time has evolved and gone on, I think for anyone that's listening, is it time to change the narrative? Let's just have a moment. Sure, the funeral might be fast, um, but can we all just have our moment to say goodbye? Can we also mm. go to the burial? Ask these questions because I feel like it's a given and this is how we've always done it. So let's not question it. And I think now is the time to question why have we always done it this way? Yeah. And and I don't know if, if this is another thing, but I feel like for me anyway, it's kind of only because I kind of had this the, the, this kind of not say privilege, but this opportunity to kind of be have a say in terms of how I want my mom to be buried. And I think that's important, especially like I mean, it, it's different compared to the the person, but I think for me because we're like we were her children, so it's like it's only right that we kind of decide what what. Um, happens and the reason why I'm kind of grateful for that because my aunt even though like she could have said you know I'm going to do this I'm going to do that I'm going to take control of everything but she's like you know what let, let these kids decide because and that's their mum so I don't want to again she, I don't want to rob them of that opportunity and I think that's quite important and and looking back in hindsight now I'm kind of glad I had that opportunity and that's why I kind of feel like when it comes to again culture is culture and there might be some things where uh, they're not permitted but I just think for me personally you know, um, if anyone sort of like has to go through this, maybe just kind of like have a conversation, even though it'd be hard of, of with your parents and say, okay, in the event that you know um, your dad um, goes, who's going to be in, who's going to be in charge of like looking after, basically conducting the funeral, like but curating or well, not curating, but bit more so like of what happens, how that how they want to be buried. Of course, the parents can give their own instructions. But I also feel that's important as well because, like, it just helps. It just makes you feel like you're part, you're part of it, rather than just being iced out or you know things are just being done for you without you without your without your consent or you don't know what's going on. Because that that's gonna make you feel terrible as well. Because you, you want yeah. it's, it's hard, but you want to be part of that. Of course, you want to know how she's gonna break, You know. Of course, and it can be very isolating. And I think also if you come from a large family, and depending where you rank in the family, like I'm the youngest from a very large family I don't necessarily yeah. have a voice like they're not trying to hear me because I'm the baby of the family and yeah. it's just there's just so many like aspects to it and I just think we now need to start asking questions about why certain things are done this way because my dad would like he wouldn't have my dad didn't say do it this way or do it that way like you know this was like a decision made by community I feel yeah. and, and I I've I'm just not down with the whole cultural thing. I get religion and I understand religion and I respect yeah. that, but we need to separate the two because they get mixed up. Yeah, and yeah. For, for me, it's not even religion because if you look at Muslims in the other parts of the world, like Middle East, women are burying their dead all the time. Mm. So, so for me, I'm just like, let's just change the conversation now because this is a cultural problem. Definitely. And, and do you feel like sometimes people kind of like, use religion as a weapon to kind of defend the like the tradition of the oh you know well we're doing it this way because that's that's what it says you know in the quran or that's what it says that's what allah would like do you feel like it's kind of used like that i don't think it even says that in the quran though i've read the quran several times i don't think there's even a line that says women aren't allowed at the funerals but 
for some weird reason, people have run with that reason. Yeah, exactly. And um, where where do they exactly. get it from? That's what I want to know. Where did they get that reason? But sometimes as well, because like with some traditions and, and customs, because it's been it's been running for so long, mm. people just people don't even question it. This is, but it's like okay, but who even made this up? Mm. That like, where's the original source? <laughs> you know, so it's like people just think okay, right, this this how it's done. If you question it, you're you're seen as in okay, why are you questioning these things? You're you're problematic. You're causing trouble. But it's like, hang on a minute, but why can't I? You know, what if I'm gonna if I'm if you're telling me okay, I can't be at a funeral because of a of a, of of custom or tradition, I'm gonna question that because you can't tell me. Well, I'm not not say you can't tell me, but it's that like I'll feel a type of way if someone tells me I can't be at my own parents' funeral because of this. Look again, I'm not I'm not um I'm not one to like. Um, you know, insult culture or even even tradition, but I'll feel some type of way about that. Yeah, like, uh, I'm, I'm alright. I'm alright insulting culture because I can't stand <laughs> it. <laughs> I can't stand it. Like you know, and I just think the two get mixed up so much because it doesn't say anywhere in the Muslim faith like you got to do it this way. This is just some old age tradition, as you say, that nobody is bothered to question, and they've done it this way. And for me, uh, to answer your original question, it is an added layer of my grief, mm-hmm. which kind of you know it drove me to start this podcast because there's you know grief is universal but the narrative around bereavement is not and not everything is done traditionally like we see on tv or american tv where it's all you know hunky-dory because it really isn't and it's very messy so yeah i just yeah exactly it's hard there's so many different things that that can be that i'm not i'm not sure about you but um if you have this in your culture um so with with um the nigerian culture mm. and i'm not so i'm not sure if it's if it's gone in as well but i, I know it's definitely more so in my culture like so if someone passes away so for example when my mom passed away you know, so my grandparents couldn't be there mm. they couldn't be there and and my so my, and my uncle couldn't be there so my uncle who's like basically the, the oldest out of the, all the siblings he couldn't be there because it's like you you can't you're not supposed to I don't know how to word it but for parents you don't bury your child I, I kind of get that bit to an extent and as a as a um as a sibling you don't bury your younger sibling so that so that that's why my grandparents couldn't be there and that's why my uncle who's again the eldest he could he wasn't there and it's, mm. it was even the same thing with one of my um, friends who was um, more or less same my age. When he passed away, his mom wasn't even at the funeral. She didn't come. Oh wow! She didn't come to the funeral because it, like, you don't, you don't, you're not supposed to bury your child. That's so interesting. Because mm-hmm. yeah, that is true. Nobody's expecting to. Yeah, I mean, you don't think your child's gonna die before you, right? Because that's not the exactly. normal human nature. Yeah, but but the things I do. I do feel like, because back to what we're saying about, um, you know, when it comes to the grief space and race, I do feel like that is different for like white people. Though I think if someone loses, again, I don't want to sort of um, word this incorrectly, but if I am, obviously, apologies. It's not. I'm not trying to. Yeah, I'm sure you catch my drift at some point. But I think with white white people, it's not so much that tradition. Like if if they, if a child if a child passes away, um, they will go to the funeral if that makes sense it's very so emotional it, for them 
they, yeah, exactly. they're very vulnerable they're very comfortable in talking about their emotions i find exactly and 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 you know they will go to the whereas in in certain uh demographics well not well yeah i'm not gonna show quite in in some black cultures that's not the norm but don't but i can only speak for like african cultures. i'm not i'm not sure in terms of how it is in other sort of black culture that like in a caribbean culture or any other like, or any other african country but i'm, I'm just saying some more so from my point of view like that's what i've sort of seen like you know the parents don't you don't bury their the, the children and even though like with my grandparents literally they was at the house they didn't even and it was just sad to, to see because they're just there and it's like they can't do nothing you know because and and they're they're they're, they're quite um elderly as well so i don't know if that's a that was a factor as well mm, but it was, could just, be. It, was just, it was just quite sad you know that they, they couldn't kind of be there but i think i get it but i don't get it yeah <laughs> it's a catch-22 isn't it yeah yeah because yeah they're elderly and you don't want to hurt them or what if you know it physically impacts them if they are there but then it's that notion of nobody wants to bury their child right and so then there's that tradition that comes with that and it's yeah I think you've summed it up (laughs) really good there you get it but you don't get it and Mm. I'm with you and I'm the same with some of the cultural traditions um that we've held on to in my family and I it's it's such an added layer of grief and it was the main reason why I started bereavement room because mm. nobody was hearing my experience as far as they were concerned I was the other I was the UFO in the room you know the alien this isn't normal my experience in comparison to my white counterpart yeah, but this this is it this is it because it's like if we if we like even just as we're talking now and maybe some people listen they're thinking hang on a minute that's 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 insane like you can't even and that's why maybe that's what adds to this whole extra um it's maybe this way is damaging because for your our mental health as well it's like okay we can't and that's why i, I feel like again I'm, I'm not saying dismiss every single aspect of traditional culture but Absolutely. we've got to put our mental health first mm. like, like like i was saying before like if someone's telling me i can't be at my monastery or that's from due to culture i'm i'm questioning that because mm. The thing is, when my mom and dad's buried now, that same person, are they going to check up on me to see how, how I am doing? They're not going to do that. So I can't, I'm not going to let you to let you rub me of the opportunity because it's like, I, I need that for myself. I need, I need something that I can control to help me within the grieving process because for any reason, now, imagine that's always on my mind. I, I, I didn't get to see it. I don't know what that's going to do to me. That's going to, that's going to eat me up. Exactly. It, you know? and- yeah and it does eat you up and it's eaten me up for such a long time and I really struggle when I hear people talk about that they got to say their you know final goodbye like I would have liked to have delivered a eulogy for my dad Mm. um, but I just never got that chance and I just had to say the eulogy in my head or like on a tweet or something right like this is how I felt about my dad or write it in my diary but like you want to be able to say that message out of the room exactly this is this is it is it you want you want to basically you want to be involved every step of the way and and that's why I'm so grateful for my aunt because literally there was nothing I didn't I feel like from even from from start to finish there was nothing I wasn't aware of Mm -hmm. like even though it was hard. Like I remember the moment because we'd had like a normal service here, and also in Nigeria as well. Mm. So I remember I had to write like a um, like a little speech which I wrote. I, I couldn't read. I couldn't um, read it out because I was too sad. Um, 
to be there. But I'm, but in the, but I'm glad I was, I was as part of that process. Do you see what I'm saying? And mm. again, and it's 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 kind of um, sad to see that you wasn't you couldn't do that. You know, and I do, and I do hope, of course. I know you said it's eating up a, a bit, but I do hope that like, you are kind of getting a bit better because, honestly, man, that would be so like I'll I'll, I'll literally be fuming if if someone said I couldn't I couldn't come. Mm. And, I... and again, I, you know, I I can't again. I, I keep adding this disclaimer because I'm not saying you know let's just like forget culture and tradition, but come on, man. Like, mm. And I agree with you. Yeah, it is your parent, and you've only got one parent in life, um, one set of parents. And um, I think you know, you say fuming is a great word because I think a lot of my grief is very angry. Mm. <laughs> I express it very angrily, and yeah. there's a lot of anger there, and I have to work very, very hard to channel it. Yeah, because not everyone understands the anger in grief. And then there's, you know, there's just so many layers. But, like, we'll come back to my story at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. Which kind of brings me back to, um, you know, you, you had a lovely funeral for your mom and you said goodbye. But when we were offline, we were talking about um, the hospitals and kind of what happens in hospitals. Yeah. Uh, I know that your mom had a cardiac arrest and yeah. that was very sudden. Like, did you have any challenges with the hospitals that you struggled with? Um, so my my only only thing that I kind of wrestled with was like, okay, because when she passed away back in Nigeria, I think I think she yeah, so she was in some sort of cardiac arrest, um, and there was she had a blood transfusion, and they so they gave her the wrong blood. Oh man, yeah. So. Like I was just like, what? What kind? Of, what the hell? Do you, do you know how insane that is? Like how it's like it's just so nuts. And for me, I was kind of thinking like, did I have a part to play? Did I not have a part to play? Like I, I don't know. Like if if she if she didn't get the if she got the right blood, would she still be here? Like it's so many things. I'm so many questions. And it's like um, you know, I was wrestling wrestling with it for a bit, thinking you know, okay, like. If only, what if, what if, what if, what if? But after a while, I'm like, you know what? I, I can't. I don't have the mental capacity to to number one get the answers and deal with it. I feel like it's just a thing where you know what? It's out of my control. That's mm. and you know, as much as you know, I want to. I mean, I had. I was. I, I want to be angry. I had my angry moments, but that's not going to help me mm. because again, I can't control that. So rather than again, it's unfortunate. I mean, I would like to know at some point. You know, it's not going to change things, but it's just a bit of like, you know, just, just to know. But I feel like for me, it's like, you know, it's kind of like choosing, again, back to this whole controlling what you can control because some Absolutely. things are going to have control. So that's what I just choose to focus on. And, mm. and and I think that's been my whole sort of um, like foundation with, with this whole journey of grief is like, you know, what, as much as this loss is sad and as much as it's, it, it hurts from time to time, but... I can really control what I can, I'm only going to focus on what I can control. So like that's a starting a podcast, talking about her, trying to educate people about, about grief and share my thoughts. That, that is within my, within my, my realm. So I'm going to just go hard with that more than anything else, because that's, that's what I know I can, I, I have control over. Mm. And, and it isn't to say that the grief is not going to be, it's not going to, it's still going to be, I'm going to have my moments, but, I rather focus on that and put my energy into those things I can control. Because again, mm. it, I thought it helped me to 
to uh, grieve easier. Absolutely. And it's a great way to honor your mum and how you remember your mum. And, um, you know, uh, these questions, things that we can't control, these events, um, you know, sometimes that, that stuff needs to get parked. Yeah. And, and I won't I won't further prompt you on asking any more about that. Um, but yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. And that's probably something that I'll take away for myself that maybe I need to think about more in my own circumstances. Mm. Mm. But I mean, I think everyone's different. I think that's not, another thing as well. Like, again, there's, there's so many like um, uh, complexities within grief. I think another thing is, like, I know you said that's something you take away, but honestly, in your own time, in your own time, you know, like you're you're not bad for being angry about the injustice in the grief. That that's fine. No, no one can say to you, "Oh, get over that," just because that's that's your story. That's you know and. And over over a certain amount of time, yeah, you might be in a place where you know what you've kind of I've made peace with that, but don't ever feel that like you need to do it on anyone else's accord. Or it can be on your own accord, not anyone else's. And that's another thing as well with, with this whole grief as well. Don't sort of rush grief based on oh people think oh you, to, you should be over it by now. Oh, it's been ten years. Why are you not over it? It doesn't it doesn't matter. And that's one thing I kind of tell myself as well. There's mm. no expiry date, and there's no no one can tell me, oh, why are you not over it yet? Like, worse, mm. it's not um, not to be kind of like blunt, but it's, it's not your business why I'm not over it because you don't know what it's like. And most times, people like, you don't know what it's like that say that, which is even worse because it's like you would think that you know you'd be a bit more empathetic, but like, the grief is so, the people who have lost one parent and you know, and they, they, it's taking them a long time. Like, with us, where we've lost multiple people, yeah. you know. That's it. But, but in theory, that, that should take years, you know, if we just think about it from, from a simplistic point of view, but you just don't know. And, you know, there's, everyone's everyone's story is different. Some people, they might have healed maybe a, a lot faster than, than us, and that's fine. You can't compare the story. And that's one thing I think people make that mistake of doing, because... Again, with respect to what I said earlier, because people don't understand bereavement, they don't understand it, so they just think they just. That's why they they just make blanket statements. Oh, don't worry, in time you heal in time, but you can't say that with a, what with somebody's not understand. Mm. You know, just let everyone everyone deal with things in, in their own time. Don't don't gaslight anyone. Don't dismiss anyone. Mm. You know, especially if you don't know what what if what what they're going through. Even if you do know what they're going through, it doesn't mean you know you have the same story. Everyone's story is different. That is absolute stellar guidance and I'm welling up from just hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I, you know, I can't put it any better myself. That's just brilliant for any of the listeners. I would really, yeah, there is no timeline here. Thank you. Mm. Gosh, I am starting to get a bit teary now. No, no, sorry. <laughs> that, that wasn't intentional. That's all right. It's good to cry. <laughs> Which, you know, now I want to, we're going to, you know, we're getting to the end soon, but like, I want to talk about counselling and therapy because you talked about that on your podcast and you mentioned Harley Street. Did you get therapy on Harley Street or? Uh, I didn't because I'm not paying 250 for counselling. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I mean, not so much now. Yeah. The, 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 I'm not rich like that yet, but even still like 250 for, for a one hour session of counselling is insane. Oh, no matter how much money you've got so that's insane so that that wasn't um so i i went for a more um, affordable approach 
when I went for counselling. So I was referred um, through my GP. I, I done it through my GP. So I think it was called Cruise uh, Cruise Bereavement. I know them. I know them very well. Very, very well. Did did you use them as well? I didn't use them. I used to volunteer on their helpline. Oh, serious? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so, so I'm sure you know that, um, that, but I'll I'll explain for the listeners. So what it is, um, you get referred uh, by the GP and I think it's like a six week. uh, No, was it? No, was it? I think there's like a bit of a waiting list. I think it was either six or eight weeks. I can't remember. Six or eight weeks I had to remember uh, to wait. And until they finally found me, matched me up with a, with a therapist. And I had six sessions. And I think if I wanted to go beyond that, I could, um, I think, I'm not sure. I think I, I'll probably have to pay for it. Um, but the thing with me and my counselling, I didn't really feel like I got much from that particular um, counselor. And again, it's not to say she she was horrible or a bad a bad counselor but I think maybe I think the timing was wrong I, I think like no then the timing was was right but I feel like what I expected was wrong I think my understanding of of therapy was like right she's this woman's going to talk to me she's going to literally fix everything that I'm going through right now and I think that that's the misunderstanding that I had of counseling so I think that's probably why I didn't get much from it because I was I just thought it was a a, a quick fix basically mm, but more so but now I, I am looking for a therapist now and I think it will be different because I now know it's more than just the therapist fixing my problem it's more so of me like offloading to them to to a, within it. reason and also me going go, me leaving them and, and applying the work and doing the work rather than that's me just it. coming there they're doing the work and that's it they fix me so it's so the way I understand therapy now is a lot more different because I think Absolutely. compared to how I understood it from like four years ago. So I think that's why um, I didn't really get much from it. Yeah, I hear you. And you, so many, you're not alone. So many people have gone through that process. It, uh, counseling and therapy can't fix you. It is about you doing the work, knowing what you want to get out of it. And it's more about the other person listening so that they can hear your process and what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no, you know, counseling isn't a quick fix. It's, mm, it's, exactly. it's it's a process it's a it's a journey so like um okay so you you had some sessions at cruise great um yeah. but obviously now you know you looking back you see what is it you need um in therapy and that's good so that kind of brings me to ask you what are you looking for in in a therapist then i think just and i think another another space where i can just um offload like talk and just and just and just hearing someone else's perspective on my situation or all the things that I kind of bring to them in terms of what I talk about mm. um and but what type me, of therapist what type of therapist like because there's so many different ones out there they train in so many different models yeah. do, do you know what that's a good question because I don't know which one will be will benefit me I'm not all I know I've heard of is like the CBT that's all I know but I'm not I, I'm not quite technical in terms of the the, the specifics so I'm not sure what exactly. I, all I do know, I need a therapist who, um, not someone who's kind of gone through bereavement, but is a professional, of course. But in terms of the, the, the specific Credited. type. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. But I don't know the exact type. So I'm not sure if, if you, if you, I mean, you worked in the hotline, so do you, are you aware of the different types they are? Yeah, because I've I've done, I've got a foundation year at one of the 
top psychotherapy schools so i understand how they train i understand the uh the structure i've also had therapists appear in series two um to talk to me about how it all works as well i've also you know i've chose you know i've had therapy i've had therapists i know what works for me and what doesn't but it's interesting you say cbt that's so cbt is a certain type of therapy and you have to be in a certain place in your life to for CBT to work for you that's my personal perspective because there's so many there's so many different modules but also the the other thing that we heard on the podcast in series one is you know my podcast is very diverse right it's the voices of the diaspora so Mm. everyone that's come on the podcast has said well I had a middle-class white therapist and that didn't go down too well not everyone but most of the guests said that and they said they didn't understand the black experience and yeah exactly that's 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 yeah that's that's um i don't know it's a quick plug here but that's more or less we kind of talk about in my next episode on my Mm. my podcast where having a Mm. safe space with with people who understand you Mm. and and most of people who look like you because that's it yeah because you know i mean not to to uh sound um like blunt but sometimes a, a white therapist can't really give you something that well, give you what you need in some cases. I'm not saying that it's the case for every single person, but sometimes you might just need someone who looks like you that can maybe relate to you that that might help. You know, again, it's, it's not me saying like Absolutely. it's black black versus black versus white, or you know, we're not we're not yeah. doing all that. But yeah. do, do you know, do no. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear you. It's it. This isn't a, a an anti-white thing or anything like that. It's about relating. And knowing yeah. that that therapist ha- understands your community and the cultural nuances and faith yeah. and what you, your experience is in terms of where you belong in society um, and how you see yourself. Yeah, exactly. uh, and you need someone who speaks that same language. And like, you know, I had Linda on the show who's Ghanaian uh, in series one. And she talked about that. She talked about what that process looked like about therapy yeah how she went about it and she goes I ain't being funny or nothing but like I need an African therapist Mm, (laughs) in order to understand where I'm coming from and like my issues so so yeah this isn't you know some people do have a white female therapist and it works but Mm. it's about that connection and you know for me I need someone that understands what it's like to be othered all the time um in the room and whether that's a black or Asian or Turkish or whatever like yeah. I just need that it's it doesn't work for me to have a white female therapist it it hasn't worked I've tried it it just doesn't you know it's not for exactly. me like it's like that's how it would have been if I had if I'd paid 250 to well I won't say they would do the white but <laughs> yeah. if I'd paid 250 for, for a yeah. therapist yeah it, Harley Street's very white <laughs> yeah Harley Street's so white so yeah exactly so need I say no more <laughs> You know, so I, I would have, like, probably, I don't know if I got my money's worth, but if I'm paying 250 for therapy, you, you, you best be going back in time to, 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 to you know, to, to clean my brain from, from when I was young to, and just tell me about all my problems because, honestly, that is, yeah, that, that's, 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 I mean, it's Harley Street, so I, I'm not surprised, but, yeah. I'm it's not... a big brand. It's a big brand. And shout out to Harley Street. I'm sure they exactly. respect us for having this open dialogue. And yeah, I, I don't... I, and I don't think it's nothing they haven't heard before. So exactly, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is this is no um, Harley Street slander. So before, yeah, for those listening, yeah, if you go Harley Street, for those listening, st- still go. Don't worry, we're not slandering them. But yeah, big up Harley Street. 
you're, you're doing an amazing job, but I'm not yeah. paid 250. Yeah, we ain't paid 250, yeah. I mean, for 250, I could go on holiday and get therapy from my holiday, quite frankly. That's a trip, that's a trip to, yeah, that's a trip to maybe, I don't know, somewhere like Sweden and, and, and back. So. Yeah, no, completely. And I, I'm, you know, uh, what research are you doing to, you said you're looking into another therapist. Do you know where you're looking and? Um, do you know what, there's one a service that I've I've come across on this, Instagram, but I'm not sure if if the I know they're they're black um, therapists, but I'm not sure if they're just um, just solely for women. But um, I'm not sure if you heard of frontline ther- frontline therapy or frontline therapist. I Have haven't heard, heard of that one. No, I haven't. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, what I, I'll send you the I'll send you the, the Instagram. Um, yeah, please after do. This. Um, but yeah, because they they seem quite good in terms of what, uh, even their content they put out. So I was, I want to think quite, and I think it's um quite affordable as well. I think it's range from like 20 to 40 pounds oh that's really good um i think uh, i'm not good. too sure but i'll double check again so i was i was looking at to see that but I, I think again i think my starting point is just like you said um i don't know what type of therapist i need but i know it definitely needs to be a black one um that, yeah, that yeah. for starters but i wanted to say so you said before like for cbt you need to be at a certain point in your life what what point is that? What do you um? What do you what do you mean by that? Yeah. So for me, CBT, the way I see it, is you need to be in a certain place with your mental health that you can proactively implement those changes in your behaviours, because because yeah. it is about behaviour. Whereas if you're not ready to do that, then you might want to take on a humanistic counsellor instead or someone that's person-centered because it means that you're just doing the talking you're offloading and someone's listening and they're kind of reflecting back to you and it's more Mm. of a reflective session or you've got psychodynamic therapy which you mentioned earlier you want someone to go back to your childhood beginning of time so that you can look back that's that's psychodynamic therapy and that's long-term therapy um you know over a year and they will spend time with you looking back and they're actually trained in going back to the beginning of time whereas cbt Mm. i think is i think you get cbt mostly on the nhs and it's more of a quick fix and it's more to do with your behaviours and if you're ready to make positive changes and implement certain behaviours, I think. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if I'm describing it properly. So I think if you're in a, a hard place and you've just recently been briefed, I don't think CBT is going to be the right type of model for you. I think actually you're better off going to someone that's person-centred or gestalt, which is the other one, which is about the here and now. What's that, sorry? So Gestalt is a German model that some therapists uh, train in, Gestalt yeah. therapy, and it's about the, focusing on not the past, but the present, the here and now. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, whereas psychodynamic is like going into the past, whereas Gestalt's not going to really... They might go into the past, but that's that's not really what they're trained to do. That that sounds more, more, more beneficial for those going through gr- grief, would you say? Yeah. The, the, the Gustavs model, is it? That's it, that's it right? The Gustavs model? That's uh, it. I think that's how you say it, yeah, Gustavs. <laughs> yeah, as opposed German. to the CBT, where it's not really personalised, it's just like, yeah, quick fix, and I don't know, maybe that's what I had, maybe, I don't know, come to think of it now. 
I mean, everyone's different. And, you know, maybe see if it depends what you're looking for. Maybe some people are like, actually, yeah, I, I want something where I can change my negative thinking into a different type of thinking. And, yeah, actually, maybe CBT will work because it is about behaviours and they want something that's proactive that they're implementing in their day-to-day -day life. It really just yeah. de depends on you, the individual, and yeah, where, yeah, exactly. where you are in your process. And I just want to say there's some people that are not ready to do CBT. Like, I personally would not take on cbt that's just not my preferred model and i think it's you need to be far advanced in your journey if that makes sense yeah okay so you mean yeah i think that's another thing i didn't consider as well like what what it kind of it depends on what type of um how you like you know are you someone who's practically going to be uh proactive with your therapy whereby they give you tell you something and you go out and sort of like implement that or you sort of think of more um i don't know like theory based so again, when I went to therapy, I was I just thought right, this is six sessions. I'm gonna crack on and see what what they say. But whereas now I'm a bit more, I'll be a bit more conscious about the type of therapy I'm getting. Um, you know, when when I do start searching for for a therapist. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's really important. And actually, it's there's so many people out there that don't know, but then you don't expect people to know this because we're not yeah. experts. And I just want to say I'm not an expert. I know I've just said a few things there, but that that's just my personal perspective based on my experiences. Uh, and um, you know, we're not experts, and we're not supposed to know these things. But yeah. Google, Google is your friend. Yeah, Google is your, <laughs> yeah, your friend indeed. Like. Because now, because you definitely helped, you definitely sort of like shed a few gems with me though. Because now, now I'm aware of CBT and and Gustach. Gustach. Nobody can say it. No one can say it. It's so hard. I don't think I'm even saying it properly. Gustach. I'm going to do my Googles on that though. Yeah, do. But I'm just looking at it now. So it says CBT aims to help you deal with overwhelming problems in a more positive way by breaking them down into smaller parts, you know, changing negative patterns to improve the way you feel. Some people aren't ready to do that. And the way I see it, that's the later part of your journey. Yeah, OK. So maybe that goes back to what you're saying. You need to be in a particular mental headspace mm. to, mm. to, to be okay yeah that, make, that makes sense yeah. that makes sense what if you just want someone to listen if you just want someone to listen and not tell you how to change your mindset then you might want person-centered gestalt or psychodynamic you know oh that, that was that one. so there's three cbt gustav and psychodynamic there's loads there's loads Jermaine. there's a course i was thinking it's just it's just free like there's loads i've only just mentioned a few there okay and there's the more more research then yeah, like the therapists, when they're training, they train in a model that suits them and how they see life. So psychodynamic, psychotherapists, right? They, yeah. they they believe in going back into your childhood because the cause is always the childhood. That, you always see that a lot, especially like in sometimes films. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Things are always, things, adult issues always start with childhood, uh, childhood trauma, childhood issues, stuff like that. But with bereavement, it's, it's, I mean, it could be different. I mean, some people can, can be um, bereaved as, as children, so that might play a, play a part. But I think for us, I don't think it's necessarily straight from the childhood. But it, it could be. could be. It could be. could be. It's, it's different for everyone. Yeah, it's different for everyone. And bereavement is about the attachment you had with the person. Sometimes people are bereaved and they didn't have a good relationship with that person. 
So then yeah. actually maybe psychodynamic would be a good route. But as I said, I'm not an expert. I just got opinion. And <laughs> the disclaimers. Yeah, disclaimer, just out there. So, you know, do your research, go to Google. Um, but yeah. So we're getting to the end and I've really enjoyed speaking with you today. It's been, I, I, could, I could listen to it. Like I said, I could, I could keep going. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, before we wrap up, like, what do you struggle the most in your grief that you want the listeners to know? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, what do I struggle with? I think it's back to what I said off, um, offline when we were just uh, talking. It's more so this idea that, you know, worrying about other people are thinking about it. So if, if I talk about it a lot, it is it's this kind of like uh, assumption that I'm not over it, mm. and uh, how that affects me is that I always feel like, hey, well, if people think I'm not over it, people think oh, this is all there is to, to me. I'm all I'm talking about is grief, grief, grief. Like, why am I in this state of, of this stagnant state of like always talking about grief? And I, I feel like people might perceive me as, oh, he's always sad over time, but that's not the case. Mm. But I feel like it makes me anxious because I feel like, because especially now with the, with the work I'm doing with the, with, the, with the podcast, I feel like a lot of it is, it's not so much always, it's about, it's about, predominantly about bereavement and grief. So, so most, most of the time, most episodes will, will be about that. So I'm always thinking people are going to think, well, okay, you're not, you're not over it. But I think it's more so just trying to worry less about what people think and, and be more mindful about what I'm thinking about myself. Mm. So I think that that would probably be my, uh, something that I'm still kind of struggling with um, and I'm, I think in, in time I think I, I will kind of like get to a place where it's not I'm not I'm less sort of insecure about it and more just like like oh like just embracing it you know mm. and then that kind of takes me to what tips would you give the workforce trying to support a bereaved colleague knowing what what your own struggles are uh, I think it's, it's, I think with, with like we said earlier, I think definitely needs to be more services, um, whether that be counselling more, um, and I think it should be more services in terms of like not just a, a quick fix. So like if, for example, someone who's bereaved and they're coming back to work, so helping them through the process, but not just like leaving them there, like or like doing like regular checkups. So for example, if someone's been off work for like maybe four weeks, for example, and they're coming back. So that that said, um, counselor or, or specialist will be like will have a, maybe some sort of consultation with that person to find out how how they how they time off and trying to help them um, practically like integrate it back into the the workforce or the or their team. Yeah. Where at. Um, but doing so on a on a constant basis rather than just it being a one time thing. Yeah. You know. Um, and and I, again, I know every, every every workplace might be different. I'm not sure how long bereavement leave is, but I know my my place of work at the time, I think mine was like a week. I'm wow. not sure if, yeah, mine was like a week. Um, and I remember at the time there was no kind of particular services that that I could uh, benefit from. Again, that's that's not me saying I'm not slaying my the old workplace. I'm just saying that if that's something that could change, then it'd be to benefit more from like more specialist, um, more professionals and. And sometimes it's the team as well. I think you know, understanding that you know, okay, someone's going through this hard time, and just just being easy with them. I'm not saying give them less work as a manager, give them less work, or make them just like slack off, but just be mindful. Okay, you know what? They've really come through a difficult, hard time, so just maybe just kind of navigate around that. You know, in terms of how you how you treat them. So I think that's what um, 
that's one thing I would say in terms of the workforce. Like, definitely, like, have regular meetings with, with that bereaved person, seeing where they're at mentally. Um, and if they need support in the work, due to basically, if they need support with work because they're not, um, they're struggling because of their bereavement, then find ways to, to help them with that rather than being like, oh, you know, well, you're, you're slacking in, in this KPR, you're not meet that target. But understand that, okay, they're going through something bigger than, than what's, what they're working on, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to help them to, to um, you know, um, boost their morale because, you know, like I said, sometimes it's hard to, when you've gone through something as bereavement and you're maybe going back to work, you know, it could be hard to kind of make that transition and, and be yourself again in the workforce. So I think those steps will help people, um, you know, to kind of like um, get back to their old selves again or just get back to a point where they can, they can fully, fully function properly in that environment again mm, absolutely that is stellar guidance thank you very much i couldn't agree with you more it should be holistic and that now kind of brings me to say how can my listeners reach you on social media uh well so we're on instagram the podcast is thinking out loud pod underscore um that's where we're at our page uh, my personal page um if you want to check out well, it's some of my writing and other stuff. Um, I'm main underscore thoughts. Um, and our podcast so far is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at the moment. I'm working to put on more platforms such as um, Google Podcasts and Deezer and SoundCloud. Um, so that's in the works. Hopefully that will be, uh, the episode will be on there soon. But for now, definitely catch us on, on the main two ones, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, and, and again you know we're just trying to normalize the conversation about grief but as well as that like, kind of share our insights into other things that we're kind of going through uh, within our lives as well and even some things that um, are going on going on around us so it is predominantly bereavement but there are also other sort of um, things we talk about as well but yeah but essentially we're just trying to normalize conversation and you know allow people to be more open especially as men you know Mm, absolutely thank you very much for sharing how the listeners can reach you i have been listening to the podcast i mean I you're sub- and you know i'm subscribe you're subscribed to my podcast but we're all part of the same family here exactly. so, so, so please do support thinking out loud and give it a listen this now brings me to the final part of today's amazing chat with you uh, honestly it's been so amazing yeah, yeah. gratefulness challenge do you know what this is uh gratefulness i'm not aware of that no yeah so something i do in series one with all my guests is we name something that we're grateful for big or small in the here and now that's personal to you so um i'll give you a few minutes to think about it and i'll go first is is, are you okay with that yeah that's fine that's absolutely fine all right um what am i grateful for I am grateful for dialogue. I just love having conversations, mm. you know, open conversations. I mean, you and I have met virtually, but we haven't met in person. And I think it's just amazing that something like the deep topic like grief and bereavement and mental health can bring so many people together um, and have this open expression which isn't always easy sometimes in our own environments with our friends, families and colleagues. 
So mm. in this moment, just really grateful to have, you know, it's been a wonderful chat with you this evening. Honestly, I've, I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm grateful for in, in the here and now expression, the art of expression and just connecting, uh, which now kind of brings me to pass the mic over to you. What are you grateful for? In a, in a, I don't know if this is going to sound weird, but I think um, one thing that, that grief has kind of uh, taught me, I've, I've been a lot more confident in myself as a person, which is which is, seems odd because usually with grief you think we'll, we'll do the opposite, but I feel like in terms of just like confidence in myself, like my self-esteem, you know, I just feel like um, this whole area of grief, though like it's, it is sensitive, it is quite a big thing, but I feel like that's where... Um, you know, I kind of like that. That's my zone. I can. I, I feel. I'm not. Again, I'm not saying I'm an expert, but I feel like I can talk about it freely and confidently as well with other people. So, I feel like that's kind of helped me in terms of being confident as a person and just, you know, just basically kind of like rating myself a lot more. I'm not sure if that answers it, but that, but that's one thing that kind of that sticks with me when when I think of your, your question. So I'm kind of grateful for that that I'm able to like be in a position where like, yeah, even though yeah, I'm still grieving, I'm still I still have my moments. But at the same time, off the back of off the back of the grief, I'm I'm doing something much more bigger than than myself, you know. Well, that was Jermaine Omareggi from Thinking Out Loud podcast. He joined me in the room to talk about his mum who passed away in 2015. Let's wish him lots of love and continued success. I'm looking forward to future episodes of Thinking Out Loud. I've enjoyed a number of their episodes. I will update the links in the episode show notes. As always, thank you so much for tuning in, for supporting Bereavement's Room. If you want to write to me, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Bereavement's Room. Until next time, I'm your host, Kulsuma Ali.